Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. If you have a Bible, would you open up in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 5. And John chapter 10, the book of Romans chapter 5 and John chapter 10. Before we get started, I want to tell you that I'm starting a brand new series next week on the Holy Spirit, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I believe it's going to be a life-changing series for many. You know, the Holy Spirit Spirit is God. (laughs) He's actually, you know, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we talk so much about Father and Son, we don't talk much about the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and if there's any controversy that I ever see in the church, you know, I'm Baptist, I'm Southern Baptist, I'm charismatic, I'm, uh, you know, Pentecostal, I'm holiness, I'm Jesus only, I'm, I mean, there's all these things, you know, baptize in this name and do this and do that. It's mostly the, the I want to say the Holy Spirit's a controversial subject, but he's not just a subject, he's a person. And so what we're going to do, I just say, don't believe me, don't believe the church you came from or the church, you know, what you hear Let's go back to the Word of God and just open up scriptures, and let's talk about the Holy Spirit. So for the next few weeks, we're going to, starting next week, don't miss next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I promise it's not going to be weird. Nobody's going to shake you. No snakes in church. You know, there's some some weirdness that goes on sometime in church, and um, and, and, and some shouting and those kinds of things. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to open the Word, and we're going to study this person of the Holy Spirit who really loves you and wants to be a big part of your life. And... um, you know, I, uh, about three weeks ago, my daughter, we, we have three sons and we have a daughter that's five years old. Her name is Zoe. And uh, she is in uh, this, it's called, it's called Mother's Day Out, okay? It's like a couple of days a week she goes to uh, a church and, um, and they teach her and do, they do crafts and, you know, and things like that. So I was going to pick her up about two or three weeks ago. And I picked her up, and she always wants to. She's like this big, and she always wants to say, Daddy, let me show you my crafts, okay? So she walked in, and she said, Dad, Dad, let me show you my crafts. And so she, and I said, okay, I'm looking. She said, no, bend down. I want you to. So I'm looking down like this, and she goes, she, I mean, this is right outside the classroom. She didn't even want to wait till we got home. She goes, Dad, look at this. She goes, this is a cross, and this is a stone, and this is, this is and, and she goes, and so what happened was, uh, she goes, this stone rolled away like this, and then Jesus, and then she stopped and she goes, do you know that story? <laughs> I said, uh, yeah, I think I've heard it before. <laughs> and she said, okay. And so she said, so here's what happened. And she goes on and proceeds to tell me the rest of the story. You know, and I got to thinking, I brought this this morning to show you, and I got to thinking, uh, sometimes Easter and holidays can be such just a traditional thing that we celebrate because it's kind of, you know, falls on the calendar and, oh, it's time to celebrate Easter. Come on, let's celebrate Easter. Uh, same thing with communion. When's communion Sunday? Because we've got to make sure to get all that in. We've got to make sure to get that in and this in. And, and I want to remind you that Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, your traditions can make the word of God of no effect. In other words, kind of you lose the, the holiness. You lose the value. You lose what it really, really means to you. I pray this morning that as we go over some scriptures, that we wouldn't just celebrate Easter because it happens to fall, uh, you know, on the, uh, on this Sunday according to the calendar, 
But I pray that we would celebrate Easter because Jesus really is alive in us and he really does offer us new life. Because Easter really is, in fact, Easter in a church is people are called CEOs, you know, Christmas and Easter only. And uh, you may be a CEO this morning. We're glad you're here. You're on E, right? You're on Easter this morning. But we celebrate this as Resurrection Day. Not just a story, not just a legend, not just an event that happened 2,000 years ago, not just history, kind of like U.S. history. People say, yeah, I like history. I like to celebrate that. But a real event that forever changed and will change and always will have an effect on humanity. I know sometimes I like watching those uh, different documentaries that talk about like the greatest moments in sports, the greatest moments in history, the greatest songs, the greatest movies, uh, Lifetime Achievement Awards, and you see all the things that people did, the greatest leaders of all time, the greatest presidents of all time. Who's the GOAT, right? Greatest of all time. Is it in basketball? Is it LeBron? Is it Kobe? Is it, is it Jordan? I mean, who, who's the GOAT? In any field, you want to say who's the greatest of all time. But I want to say this morning that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest single event in history that will forever have an effect on mankind. Can somebody just give a big resounding amen this morning? Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, or look in your notes if you have them. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, if you look in the New Living Translation, it says this, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. When we were utterly helpless. I want you to notice Jesus didn't do it because he thought, yeah, they could help me out, so I'm going to do something. No, when we were helpless, we had nothing to offer. He came at just the right time. He says in verse 7, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Listen, verse 8, but God showed his great love for us. Can we all read this together? But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Notice when, where he found us. We were utterly helpless. We had nothing to offer. We had nothing to give, but he came and he freed us. Notice he says, while we were still sinners, he died out of love, not out of response. He didn't die because we did something for him. And he says, finally, I'll love those rascals. Because I'll tell you, if he had to wait for that, he would have never found me. Because I wasn't the kind of guy that you, to, to die for. But what happened was Jesus found us when we were helpless. Jesus found us when we were sinners. Jesus found us when we were giving him uh, you know, our backs, so to speak, and saying, I don't really care about you. And he says, I still love you. I still die for you. That's, what, that's the kind of love that I have. The significance of the cross is that Jesus once and for all took all of our sin. It never has to be paid for again. None of the sin that you have done or are doing or in the middle of or that you will do has to be paid for again. Jesus took all of your sin on the cross. Many believers, though, will stop there. They'll say, why do you serve Jesus? Because he took away all my sin, and I know I couldn't do that. They'll stop there, and they'll call Jesus the Lord of their life. They'll repent of their sins. They'll pray for forgiveness in their lives, and they just kind of stop there. But can I tell you, there's more. If you ever watch Shark Tank, you know, they'll kind of do that. They'll come up and go, but there's more, right? There's more. And I think a lot of people will stop at the cross. But can I tell you, Jesus didn't just provide the cross. 
He provided the resurrection. And I want to talk about the resurrection for a few moments. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Listen, the cross is about death, but the resurrection is about life. You can write those in your notes if you have those. The cross is about death, but the resurrection is about life. When God frees you, he doesn't only free you from something, but he leads you to something. I think so many times when people talk about what Jesus did, they say, he forgave me from all of his, my sins, and that's what he did, and they just kind of stop there, and they realize that they've been freed from sin. They've been freed from bondage. They've been freed from something. But can I tell you, if you don't leave that thing that you were freed from and enter into the resurrection life of the Lord, you're going to go right back into bondage. That's why the resurrection is so important. It's not just about the cross. Now, Jesus said, it is finished. The cross paid for all of your sins, and we're going to have eternal life. But can I tell you, he wants us to, he came that we may have life and to enter into a new life with Christ Jesus. John chapter 11, again, I am the resurrection and the life. God said to Moses back in the book of Exodus, he, uh, he was out there, Moses was out there tending his sheep and uh, a burning bush, he saw this burning bush and he noticed that the bush wasn't going away, it just kind of was burning and so he walked over to it and he heard this voice come out and he told, uh, God told Moses, I want you to do two things. He said, I want you to go to my people because the cries of my people have come up before me and I want you to do two things. I want you to go deliver them from their bondage, and that's a type or a representation of God delivering us from sin and from bondage. But then he said, and I want you to bring them back, and on this mountain, he said, this will be assigned to you, on this mountain, you're going to worship me. He said, and I want you to bring them back, and they're going to serve me. He gave them a twofold mission. I think sometimes we focus on the first part, which I think if you're going to focus on one, we do need to be free. But he said, you need to be free from your sin, but I want them to enter into the life with God. They're my children. And that's what God wants us to do. He said here in Exodus 3.17, a few verses down, he said, I have promised to rescue you from, notice, from your oppression in Egypt, and I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Egypt is a type of the world of sin, of bondage, and Canaan or a land flowing with milk and honey is a type of your life in Christ Jesus. I believe that in here today there are many people who've been freed from sin, but you've never experienced what it's like to walk with a free life in Christ Jesus. And this morning, Christ wants you to know what the resurrection life of Jesus is all about. Not only to lead us out of bondage and sin, but to lead us into a full life. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, look at it on your screens or on your sheets, it says this, I came that they may have life and have it to the fullest. Can we all say that together? I came that they may have life and have it to the fullest. There's a difference in life between surviving and thriving. Survival is like, okay, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I barely have enough to be able to breathe. I remember uh, a number of years ago, my wife and I, with another couple, went down to, um, to Cabo San Lucas on a vacation. 
And uh, my friend, who's uh, really good with you know snorkeling and, and scuba diving, he was scu- big into scuba diving, he said, hey, David, I want you to go scuba diving with me. And I said, no, nah, that's going to be problems. And, and he said, no, 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 you'll really like it and enjoy it. I said, no, nah, I don't think so. And he said, can you swim? I said, well, of course I can swim, but I don't swim like you know, 20, 30 feet underwater. And he said, no, 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 you can breathe because of this and all that. So down in Mexico, I think they have kind of different regulations than we have sometimes. You know, like we have to go through a whole course. And they're like, oh, no. We teach you in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Anybody ever see what I mean? And and then you believe them. And you go, oh, all right. Are you sure I can get it? Oh, no problem. No problem, you know. So I remember, <laughs> I remember I put in this snorkeling, you know, this, this thing on my back, and, uh, and they're like, all you have to do is breathe through here. If you have any problems, you just breathe through here. And I say, what about breathing through the nose? Oh, don't do that. Do do this. Make sure to do this. And if you do this, make sure to keep oxygen in here and don't. And if you need to go down, and by the way, we're going to strap some weights on you so that you uh, will sink and won't be able to come up. What if I need to come up? Oh, it's okay. It's all in the tank, you know. So they, with, with, I feel like, little explanation in broken English, you know, they came, they told me all this, and they said, do you get it? And I'm thinking, probably not, but let's do it, you know. And I remember going down, going down, going down, and they're saying, do you see this? Do you see this? And all I'm thinking is, I can't breathe. <laughs> I don't care about, you know, the different, the different fish. And I mean, I know they're pretty and all that stuff. I need to breathe. You're gonna, so the next person in an hour is going to come find me down here <laughs> if, I don't, you know, if I don't figure out how to breathe in this. And so what happened is I went down, and then all of a sudden I remember someone points out, and they said, look, shark, it's a shark, you know, baby shark. And, and I'm like, shark, uh-uh, uh-uh. So I'm, you know, I start to kind of hyperventilate under, you know, and I don't think you're supposed to do that in the oxygen. Ooh, ooh, you know, and he goes, are you okay, are you okay? No, no, I'm not okay. And he said, like, what do you want to do? I Get out of here. I want to get, can I tell you, God hasn't created us to just survive, just to barely breathe. That's kind of how I was. I was like, I'm breathing, but I'm about to die. I think that's how Christians live sometimes. I said, I want to thrive. And you know, ever since then, I don't think I've, I mean, I won't even buy a snorkel. Like, I don't want to put my head underwater. I want to be able to breathe the air that God has provided for me for. If he would have wanted me to breathe underwater, he'd have made me a fish or a whale, okay? But he hasn't. And so uh, he wants us to, to survive, not just to survive, but to be able to thrive. He said, I came that they may have life and have it to the fullest. To the fullest. Not only lead us out of bondage and sin, but lead us into a full life. Most people catch the first part. They're well aware of their sin. And they say, I know I need Jesus because I don't know what in the heck to do about my sin. I know I need Jesus. But they don't catch the second part, and that's the full life that Jesus has come to provide. There is what's called, and you've heard it uh, referred to before as a slave mentality. A slave mentality. And I want to show you, back in the book of Exodus chapter 14, God was leading them out of slavery. And it says in Exodus 14 chapter 12, he says they're, they're, they were out of slavery and they're in the wilderness. And what happened? They weren't getting, they weren't thriving. They weren't in Canaan. They were in between being delivered from bondage, but they weren't quite into the place that God had for them yet. And they begin to say this. Listen, they begin to say, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die 
in the desert. Now, we might look at them and say, are those guys crazy? They don't know what it's like, but don't we say the same thing sometimes? We look at people who are not serving the Lord, and we're like, I think it'd be better to do that than what I'm going through. I mean, I'm delivered from my sin, but I don't know. I'm not thriving in my life. We think they're crazy. We say the same thing. In in the United States of America, the 13th Amendment was passed in 1865 to end slavery 150 years ago. But the mentality of slavery has taken 100 to 150 years to begin to really take real change. Anyone see that? Really take 100 to 150 years. Just because the law passed it doesn't mean that you're free and that everyone sees it that way again. Just because you're free from bondage doesn't mean you know how to walk as a son and a daughter in the life of God. And so we still have a bondage mentality, a slave mentality, just like they did. He said, leave us alone. It's better to go serve with the Egyptians. At least we had something coming into our mouths all the time. At least we had some security. And still, changing to where people really believe, life is still changing to where people really believe that all men were created equal. They believe that being a slave sometimes is better than, being, uh, than living the freedom that God has. There was a study in 2005 called a recidivism study of state prisoners released. That's those who were incarcerated and they got out. 45%, listen to this, those who were incarcerated, they were in prison or jail, and they got out. 45% of the released prisoners were arrested during the very first year they followed their release. See, they lived in that system for so long that somehow they got arrested again, whether it be the arresting you know, party or whether it be their party. Listen to this. An estimate of 68% of released prisoners were arrested within three years. They were out, but they didn't know how to walk free yet. 79% were arrested within six years, and 83% of those who were arrested, 83%, were arrested again and put back in within nine years. See, I think that's important because that's what happens to us as believers. We're free from sin. Christ has delivered us. He's forgiven us. He's freed us. But we don't know how to walk free. That's why the mission at our church, I believe given by the Lord, is that we would, number one, encounter God. Number two, we wouldn't just find freedom. We'd walk in freedom. Because I've found freedom. I can tell you I've been free from things in my life a thousand times. But I'm talking there's a different things between finding freedom and walking in freedom. Walking in freedom and living out the destiny that God's called you to do. And only free men can be able to do that. You can get the man out of prison. You've heard this before, but you can't get the prison out of man. You can get the man off the street, but you can't get the street out of the man. See, Living a life with Christ Jesus is not just about being free. It's about walking in the fullness that God has for us. When God frees you, he doesn't only lead you again from something. He leads you into something. The cross frees us from sin, but resurrection leads us to new life in Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the greatest day for all humanity so that we can walk in the new life of God. Romans chapter 6 Verse 1, out of the New Living Translation, it says this, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. 
Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? If you've ever seen uh, the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, they'll say, dead man tells no tales. What are they saying? Well, we would say, dead men don't sin. I don't think I've ever, uh, you know, been, I, I probably played for, you know, organ and piano and stuff. I probably played for, you know, two or three hundred funerals over the years. And, but I've never walked by the body, you know, to show respect. And then he kind of just, you know, someone slips his hand out of the casket and puts his hand in my pocket and grabs, grabs a $20 bill. Right? He's not going to steal from me. He's dead. Do you know, dead men aren't tempted to sin. Dead men aren't tempted to commit adultery. Dead men aren't tempted to, to lie, to murder. No, dead men are dead, right? And so he says here, he says here in uh, 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 Romans chapter 6, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So don't say, can we sin? If you're dead to sin, you can't really live in sin. And then in verse 4 it says, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and this is what I wanted to get to. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may walk in, uh, may live new lives. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. As necessary and amazing as the cross of Jesus Christ is, we will still be limited until we walk in the power of his resurrection. That's why I love that song we just sang. Now I have resurrection power living on the inside, Jesus. You have given us freedom. Right? We're free now. No longer bound by sin and darkness. Living in the light of your goodness. You have given us freedom. Right? It's not just being free from something. It's free to walk in something that's new. New life in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 5 of Romans 6 out of the NIV, it says, For if we have been united with him in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. In other words, don't just identify with the death of Jesus. Identify with the resurrection of Jesus. Identify with the death of Jesus and identify with the resurrection of Jesus. Don't only identify with the cross of Jesus, but identify with the resurrection of Jesus. So what does resurrection provide? I'll give you three quick things. Number one, new life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ provides new life. Through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we have new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, the new life has begun. Everyone is looking for a fresh start. Everyone is looking for an opportunity to start over, to reset, to start new. Sometimes if you have a baby, I know Nate and Miara just had a baby, and I, I saw the baby this morning, uh, little Nate and uh, little Nathaniel, and someone was holding the baby this morning, and you walk up to the person and you go, oh, what a beautiful baby, you know, you, and you give no attention to the adult, adults. As soon as you have new life, why? Because everyone's attracted to new life, right? You sometimes get in your job and you go, I love this job. And about three weeks later, I hate my boss though, and I hate all my coworkers though, and it doesn't pay enough, and it's too hard. So what are you going to do? I quit. I'm going to go get a new job. And then about three or four weeks later, what happens? You go get a new job. Why? Because everybody likes new starts, new beginnings. That's why people get into affairs, Right? is they get in there and they're like, do you love your wife? I love her, but I want something fresh. I want something new. 
I love my husband and what I want, but th this man gives me more attention. I want something fresh. I want something new. But can I tell you what people are looking for? They're looking for new starts. But I believe that if we'll walk in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, there'll be a new start that will electrify you on the inside that you don't need to go searching for other things. There's a new start that has to be ignited on the inside. The resurrection power. So we have new life in Jesus. Everyone's looking for a new start. It's important to find new life in Jesus. Number two is full life. Full life. There's a difference between, again, surviving and thriving. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. That word life is literally in the Greek the word zoe. Z-O-E. You know what it means? It means the life of God. The life of God. Jesus said, I didn't come just to save you from your sins. I came so that you can have the God kind of life, the life of God. You'll never be God, but you'll be able to walk as his sons, walk as his daughters, thriving on top of the world, not underneath, not begging a far distant God, but talking to him as sons and daughters. We're talking about a full life. And number three, what does the resurrection provide? Hope for the future. Hope for the future. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 out of the NIV says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Some people are looking to say, how do I, what do I do? I just don't have life on the inside of me. If you have Jesus, you have all the life that you need on the inside. Christ in you, it's a glorious mystery of the Gentiles, Christ in you, the hope of glory, and that's hope for the future. We have, with the hope in the future, it's our eternity out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. He says, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Can I tell you, when you have Jesus on the inside, you have hope for the future. You have hope for your eternity. Out of the message, it says this, out of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, who got the last word, O death? O death, who's afraid of you now? He says, it was sin that made death so frightening. Listen, it was sin that made death so frightening. Keeping with that mentality of being bound with sin. We're not bound with sin anymore. We have Jesus in our lives. He says, it was sin that made death so frightening and law code guilt that gave sin its leverage and its destructive power. He says, but now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, and death are gone. Can we say that together? Sin, say it. Sin, guilt, and death are gone. When you walk free from sin, free from guilt, free from death, and they're gone, he says, the gift of our master, Jesus Christ, thank God. I want to close with this illustration today. Just a story about my, my dad. My dad's gone on to be with the Lord now, but I want to tell you this. My dad was a good old boy. He was from New Orleans, Louisiana. And uh, he wasn't educated. He probably went up to about the fifth grade. Couldn't read. Couldn't write. He grew up. He went out in the military. Went out to Germany. And he came back home, and he was, he was, he was kind of your average Joe, you know, good guy. But he came back, and he went to a revival meeting. They told him about Jesus. 
and he asked the Lord to save him, and he did. <laughs> and then he asked the Lord to free him from cigarettes. He smoked cigarettes. And uh, the Lord freed him from cigarettes. I mean, just instantaneously, right away. Met my mom, loved God with all of his heart, raised his family to love God, to love people. Can I tell you, my dad, if my dad ever feared a thing, I, would, I didn't know it. My dad was always the strongest, the most brave, courageous man who just loved God with all of his heart, raised his three boys to love God with all of his heart. He, um, he came to the end of his life, and we were very close to him because he had some congestive heart failure and some things. And it was hard seeing such a strong man break down physically, break down emotionally, because when you're dealing with physical things, sometimes it, it affects you emotionally as well. I remember they put, his heart kept stopping, so they put a defibrillator inside of his heart. And then he eventually ended up going into a care home because he just had to go into the hospital so many times back and forth. But he always had his joy going to visit my dad. And he always had his joy. He had this defibrillator. In fact, I'd, I'd kind of laugh because uh, he'd, he'd, uh, he'd be, you know, laying down and fall asleep or something. And the thing is shocking me. He'd go, oh, what the hell? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not sure. And I go, what happened? This stupid thing shocked me. You know, I go, dad, I think it's trying to keep you alive. Yeah, yeah. But he just didn't, he, he, he was always, well, we came to a place where this thing kept shocking him about a couple of times a day. He's in a care home. He's not getting better. And my dad finally gathered us around as a family. He said, hey, I think I'm going to shut the thing off. I'm tired of getting shocked. <laughs> I said, uh, are you okay with that? Oh, what do I got to lose? I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm tired of dealing with this thing anyway. But had no fear of death. I said, so when are you going to do that? Well, let's gather the family. Let's pray for them. Let's, uh, let me say goodbye to everybody I need to say goodbye to. I'm going to unattach this thing. So, uh, so I remember we gathered all of our family together. We went over to the, the place. He prayed for, laid hands on each one of us, blessed all the grandkids, blessed everybody. And then, uh, and then they all left and such. And I was standing there with my dad and his three boys standing with him. And then the person comes in and they, uh, they say, okay, now we're going to unplug it. We're going to we're going to detach it. And, you know, so we're asking questions. So, so when you detach it, is he just going to stop breathing? No, they said, no, no, no. It's when his heart stops is when he stops breathing. This thing just won't resuscitate him. Won't. Like, okay, okay. I still remember they came over, you know, and they, they take this thing and they go, okay, here we go. And they unplugged it. And I remember my dad, you know, he's a jokester. He goes, dad, dad. And he goes, ah, just kidding. Just messing with y'all. Because can I tell you, death to him was better. It was being with Jesus. I remember it was just about about another half a day or so. I was able to stand in the room right next to him. We're just talking normal. Him and his best friend was in the room. Me, best friend, my dad. We're talking about stories. I asked my dad a question. Started answering. Started to answer me. And he looked at me in the eye and he went <sighs> breathed his last breath put my hand on and I said, that's okay, Dad. You go be with Jesus. I, can I tell you, it was the most peaceful moment I've ever experienced in my life because it was sort of a corridor or a passageway between earth and heaven. And my dad just took it. 
This is what the scripture says. Oh, death, where's your sting? When you have Jesus, when you have full life, there's nothing to worry about. What if you died today? What if you died today? You have Jesus. You have full life. Live it here as long as you will, because soon everybody's going to die. Every one of us. If, if Jesus tarries and doesn't come back, we're all going to die. But today, God gives us the opportunity to choose how we're going to live. Are we going to live with God's life? Are we going to live just taking chances and trying to make it happen on our own with our own life? I want to pray with everybody here today. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.